Praise the Lord. All right. So many uh, faces in the house today that I have not met before. And so many faces that I have met and haven't seen for a little while. And I just want to welcome everybody into the house of the Lord this morning. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Ariel, I really want to, I really want to welcome Ariel this morning. Ariel, you're like a princess in this house. You know that? You really are. We love you. So wonderful to see you. Wonderful to see her. Brightens my day, even though it couldn't be more bright with uh, what the Lord did for us today. Um, if you would, ch- turn in your Bible to Exodus. All right, Exodus chapter 12, put your finger there. And then also Luke chapter 22. Um, as I was praying for God to lead me with this message, um, I just began to think about this season. And um, the season is really cluttered. And I don't know if anybody's ever noticed this with a lot of uh, celebrations of all kinds. This weekend is, how many have ever noticed that? I mean, it's really difficult even to say. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of us say Resurrection Day, Happy Resurrection Day. Some people will um, will will make note of the fact that he was resurrected on uh, on the feast of first fruits. Uh, some people will say Happy Easter, and it's just cluttered with a lot of different celebrations from different people. And my uh, I wouldn't waste my time on this day to uh, spend so much time talking about all the different ways that people celebrate. A uh, man has all kinds of celebrations of all kinds of different holidays. I mean, there's birthdays, there's... I mean, just look at the list of holidays that everybody uh, celebrates on different days. But what I am very interested about is, what did God want us to celebrate today? What did God institute as His celebration on this day? Because there's no bigger day as a Christian than today. There's no bigger repercussions for what God did in our life except today. And what I want God to do in this message is I want God to pour out what He did on this day, and I want you to receive part of that in your heart today. I want you to have a revelation from God. That means I want God to reveal Himself to your heart today on what He did on this day. Because it's a matter of life or death today. It's that important. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You, Lord. Reveal Yourself in a mighty way, Lord. Reveal Yourself, Lord God. Let Your Word, Lord, let the bread of Your presence fill this house, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray that they would recognize Your work, Lord Jesus. Recognize the implications of Your work, Lord God, the the reality of what You did, Lord. Help us to celebrate today. In Your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to read one verse here in Luke chapter 22, and then I'm going to come back to Luke in a moment. Luke chapter 22 says this. I want to look at just the first verse. Now this is Jesus the night before uh, He is going to be executed. Okay, Jesus is about uh, to die on the cross. He knows it. He's aware that He is about to be betrayed And this is his last hours with his disciples before he dies. And Jesus does some very intentional things before he dies. 
um, he was prophesied uh, before the world ever began. Everything that he would do in his life was prophesied. He knew what he was going to do. He knew his mission. He knew what God was going to do with his life. And so it's very important to look at the details of his last hours because they were planned from the beginning of the world. And so we can't really get a feel for it unless we see what God's trying to make us understand here. And the very first verse says, Now the feast of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And I'm just going to stop there. In order to understand what his death meant, you have to understand what the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread is. Because Jesus is trying to say something because He really... Um, they would have killed Him at any point. How many know that? I mean, if they would have known at this point, if Judas would have known where they were going and where they were going to be, He would have actually killed Him at any point. But Jesus knew. He said, they don't take my life. He said, I give my life willingly. And he was in control of every part of this. And he knew that there was an appointed time that he was to die. And that appointed time was this Passover feast. This Passover was the exact moment in history God wanted him to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. So we have to understand, there's some things that I want you to understand on this day. Because if we look at the traditions of men... They're all over the place. Okay, and my my uh, role is I'm not one of those people that says, hey, you know, don't celebrate Easter. Don't celebrate the traditions that we have. Don't do this and that. Um, don't." And then you, then you get into the Catholic Church and there's a whole uh, liturgy of days. Um, and again, this was not, not what was prescribed in the Bible. But they're all... Traditions that people choose to use to celebrate this day. And I'm not downplaying what people do on this day, okay? But what I am saying is, we need to know what the Bible says on this day. and We need to understand what God wanted us to understand on this day. Or else, all this means is a fertile little rabbit that, that lays eggs. Okay? Or all it means... Now you got to remember, some of the traditions... Some of the traditions that we have, there were certain people in the medieval times that were uh, forced to be Christians. And there's a lot of mixture of uh, pagan religions. There's mixtures of Christian. There's mixtures of Jewish. There's mixtures of all kinds of cultures on this day because it's springtime and everything's coming alive. But God is the only one that can establish uh, holy days. And God established the beginning. Now, if you want to write this down, the beginning of God's holy calendar is this month. And the very first, there were seven feasts that God said, these seven feasts, I will reveal myself to you. And there are four that are in the spring. And they all fall on this week. So this is a very important week. God says, this is your new year. In fact, let me read it here in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 12. And there's a lot of places, let me tell you in advance, there's a lot of places I can stop because there are so many things that happen in this week, it is almost overwhelming. 
I mean, it's almost overwhelming. This particular day, this particular week in history is the most, um, it's the most, um, I don't even know the words I can say. It's the most outrageous week ever. In fact, I preach Easter sermons on how outrageous this week is. I mean, you look at all the characters that are here. You have Judas, who basically, uh, uh, Satan actually possessed him to, to literally betray his friend. Then you have somebody like Peter who uh, was prophesied that he would deny Christ. And then you have all kinds of uh, cosmic things that are happening. You have an earthquake the moment that he's dead. You have an earthquake the moment he's resurrected. By the way, a man was resurrected from the dead and walked on the earth and ministered to people. When he died, graves were split open and people ministered in the streets. Do you realize how unusual this week is? Prophecies. In fact, Passover was a 3,500-year-old uh, ceremony. 3,500 years ago, they started practicing. It's the oldest religious observation uh, in the world. Continuously um, practiced religious observance in the world is Passover. So for 3,500 years, it's been practiced. Uh, it's been 2,000 years since uh, the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper on the Passover. So both go way, way back. Um, but all these cosmic things are happening, okay? And then Jesus is actually uh, taken up into the air, resurrected. And then, I mean, just everything shifts on this week. But let me show you in, in Exodus chapter 12, there's a lot of things I could talk about, but I choose to, choose to focus this morning on what God wants us to know for this day. So Passover is the first thing God wants you to understand about this day. Passover says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month. Okay, so this is almost like their new year. Okay? God said the first month is not January for them. The first month is this month. The month of Nisan is what they call it. Okay? And He says this will be the first month. So their year started, imagine this, you got to really think about this. Their year started when everything starts coming to life. How many love spring? Everything's coming to life. People are thinking about flowers. They're thinking about their gardens. They're thinking about it getting warm. I mean, there's this excitement and there's this newness in the air. And God says, that's when the year's going to start. So it is their first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month. Okay, what day? The 10th day. The tenth day of this month, tell the whole community of Israel, each man is to take a lamb for his family. Wow. Now, is that, think about that. Is that kind of hard? They're slaves. Okay, they had, um, there were no grocery stores, okay? So how does a slave eat? They have their own little grocery store in their backyard, right? Okay? But they're poor. They don't have any money. But God is telling these slaves that I'm starting, I'm trying to show you something. You find your very best one you have, and they're poor. Okay, you gotta start putting yourself in the position of these people, okay? So here they are, they got these muddy, dirty little fingernails. Think about them. They've been working in mud pits, making bricks. Alright, they're very poor. Alright, they've been beaten, they've been abused. 
Okay, they must have been beaten pretty bad because Moses was trying to protect one of them that was getting beaten with a whip, right? So they were abused. They were beaten. They were mistreated. God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. On the tenth day of the first month, every family find a lamb. All right, for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for the whole lamb, then they must share it with one of their nearest neighbors. So they wanted the whole lamb had to be eaten, so they had to find 10 to 20 people that could eat this lamb. So you had to gather people with you if you didn't have enough people to eat it. They went on, you are to determine the amount of lambs needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animal you choose must be a year old male. This is very important, without any defects. Remember, very poor people, right? They're slaves. And here they are in Egypt as slaves, and God's telling them, find one without a defect, and also find one that's a year old, which means this is a mature lamb. He's finally to the point, he's in the prime of his life. Okay, he's weaned from his mother, and he is basically a young adult male that's mature and ready. Okay, a one-year-old male. Very specific, right? He goes on. The animals you choose must be a year old without defect, and you may take them from your sheep or your goats. Take them until take them until the fourteenth day of the month. So, what did that? Did they? What day did they find them? The tenth day. They are to keep that lamb with them for four days, from the tenth day to the fourteenth day. Why? They had to keep that lamb with them, and the tradition was. You have to make sure that they do not have a defect. And you also have to be, basically, they wanted them to have an they wanted them to basically know that lamb well. They wanted that lamb to be like a pet. God wanted them to have an attachment to this lamb. Okay, so just imagine this. You ever been to like a, uh, you ever seen like they have those dog shows with the best of the best of the dogs? This was the best of the best of the sheep. All right? And the poor people, they I don't think they really particularly like losing their best. Alright, it was a very valuable thing to give up your best. They went on. Take him until the 14th day of the month where all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the top of their door frames of their houses where they will eat the lambs. Okay. They take the blood of this perfect young adult lamb that's their best, they're to sacrifice it, and they're to rub the blood of it on their household, on the doorposts. Okay? The same night you are to eat the meat roasted over a fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave anything till the morning. If some is left, you must burn him. This is how you, you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked in, your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, because this is the Lord's what? Passover. Now what does the word Passover mean? And this is really critical that you understand this word. It's a very complicated Hebrew word. It's Passover. That's it. I'm sorry. I, I was going to make that really deep. It's deep though. God is going to pass over. 
That means he is about to bring judgment on the land. And this is very deep because if they weren't also guilty, the Israelites, why would they have to be passed over? Why would they have to be protected if they were not also guilty? Think about it. God is bringing judgment to this nation, Egypt, and as you be, as we begin to see, let's look here. On the same night I will pass through Egypt. I will strike down every firstborn men and animals. I will bring judgment on who? The gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the house where you are, and I will see the blood and I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is the day you are to commemorate for generations to come. And here we are on Passover weekend. Generations to come, we're still... This is amazing, really. You will commemorate that 3,500 years later? The oldest commemoration in the world? Now here's the thing. These slaves lived in Egypt for so long... Do you think that they were also worshiping the same gods some of the Egyptians were serving? These people were in poverty. They were dirty. They were muddy. They were abused. They were mistreated. But God said, you're as guilty as they are. You're as guilty as they are. But you're going to have an opportunity to have a substitution for your guilt. And I will pass over you And one will receive the judgment and one will not receive the judgment. So very important that you understand this. The first thing you need to understand is God will pass over human beings if they have a substitute. And there's only one substitute all through the Bible that God would ever uh, allow to be used. In fact, God is very clear that He was going to use innocent animals. An animal is innocent. It cannot sin. This beautiful little lamb that lived in their house did nothing wrong. Have you ever seen a a young lamb, how beautiful they are? I mean, that is a beautiful, beautiful animal that looks innocent. And these animals didn't do anything wrong. But they had to live with this animal and they had to allow this animal to be close to them. They had to be the best animal, the favorite animal, the one that they loved. And God, from the very beginning, from the very first sin with Adam, God said this sin thing is a very serious thing. He said this sin thing is going to be, is going to destroy everything that I've created that's good. So the very first sin, what did God do? God allowed them to see death for the very first time. God said you can't clothe yourself now that you've lost your innocence with a a plant. Because you need to understand, and this is the first messianic prophecy, and it says that God Himself will provide a sacrifice. It says that the Messiah will come and He will tread the serpent. And they began to understand that God was going to send His own Son. And so they began to look for this Messiah. They began to look with the children of Adam. They began to look for generations after, and they said, when is God going to provide the lamb? And all God said at the time was, every time you sacrifice an animal, your sin will not be taken away. Your sin will be covered for a period of time. If this lamb does not come, 
that covering will not forgive your sins. It will only cover it for a period of time. And if this lamb does not come, they will never be forgiven. But when the lamb comes, God is going to look at your sacrifice of an animal and He's going to say, I'll pass over you. And then when the lamb comes, for eternity, God will not see that sin. So what does this mean to you? It means that everybody in this world is like Egypt. The Bible says Egypt was serving these these, uh, detestable gods. They were sexually extremely immoral. If you ever study the gods of Egypt, it was sexual immorality at the highest level. It was uh, rebellion against God at the highest level. And God was angry with these gods and God was long-suffering. But God says, this is going to be an example of my judgment. And what God was saying to us was, we have all contributed to that cup of judgment. There's not one of us in this room that has not contributed to that cup. My lies have contributed. My addictions have contributed. All of my behavior has contributed to that cup and I deserve God to pour it out on me. And what God is telling us through Passover is that I am going to send a lamb and that lamb will take your judgment. And God is saying, this is what He's saying through the Passover. When this lamb dies, who is my lamb that I'm providing for you, when he dies, you can smear the door frame of your heart with that blood and I will pass over you when the day of judgment comes. Because there is a day of judgment that's already been established. A day of judgment is coming upon this world. I want you to imagine for a moment you're in Egypt. And you're sitting there in the evening. You've eaten this lamb and outside they said it's the worst outcry Egypt has ever had. I want you to picture that day, if you will. All of these families have lost somebody. Every single family, they lost livestock. Firstborn of their livestock, they lost firstborn of their family. They didn't willingly give their best. And God was just showing you a little sample of what judgment feels like. He took the firstborn instead of just taking all of them. And God was saying, I'm just showing the gods of Egypt that this is what judgment looks like. And as they sat in that house feasting on the lamb, I want you to imagine the cries that they heard all around them. The cry was so great. Everybody, just imagine every house on streets had somebody dead. Dead bodies were everywhere. People were crying in the streets. It was so bad. Do you know what time of the day they left Egypt? The angel of death struck at midnight. Alright, now we picture daytime, they're all having fun, they're all leaving the city. Pharaoh was so upset that he called them right after midnight when everybody died. And Pharaoh said, get out of here. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell a lot of the story instead of reading it because I'm limited a little bit on time this morning. But I want you to understand at midnight, they were leaving Egypt. Well, how did they see? There was already a light that was guiding. It was almost like daytime for them. You realize that? God was with them. There was already a light guiding them out of Egypt. People were, the Egyptians were, they'd been judged. And God had basically, dead bodies were everywhere. 
And the Bible says that at this Passover, because they ate this lamb and put his blood on the doorpost, God did not even touch any of the Israelites. And you say, well, what's that have to do with me? And that's, that's the question I want to answer this morning. What's that have to do with me? Because that judgment is mild compared to what's coming to this world. Do you realize that a judgment is coming to this world? The Bible says there is a cup. It is fermented and it is foaming. And he said the wicked have filled it up and one day I'm just going to take that cup of wickedness and I'm going to pour it upon men. And that's what we see in the book of Revelation when everything just begins to uh, be poured out upon the earth. All of this wrath, it might be the day that you die or it might be the day that he comes with his rapture and begins to pour it out in the tribulation. But the judgment is coming to this world. We are all guilty. We are all deserving. And what Jesus was saying at this meal, he was sitting at this table and he was saying, uh, do you remember when John the Baptist seen Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry? Do you remember that Jesus began walking up and John looked at him and he said what? In John chapter 1, he said, behold. He said, everybody look. Right now, everybody stop, everybody look. Jesus walked in to begin his ministry and he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You know when he was a baby and they went to the temple to dedicate him? You know that an old man said, I can finally die now because I've seen the Lamb of God? You know there was a woman who was a prophetess that stopped him again and said, there he is, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. His whole life he was mentioned as being that Lamb. And I'm telling you today, if you don't realize this for your life, if you don't realize that judgment is coming, if you don't realize that there is a Passover lamb that's been provided for you, if you don't realize that I need that on the doorpost of my heart, if I don't apply this blood in my heart and receive that sacrifice, then you will receive the full brunt of God's judgment. God sent Him so we didn't have to. God said that He intended for no one to go to hell. Hell had to be enlarged because He wanted no one to go. The Bible says that... Um, um, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in that Lamb will not perish, but will receive everlasting life. So the first thing you have to understand on this weekend is Jesus did it on the Passover. And think about this. The Bible says that the mature age for a man to be serving as a priest, the man was at full maturity at age 30. Imagine that. The one-year-old lamb was at full adult maturity at one year. Jesus walked in to begin His ministry the moment the Bible said that He was mature and ready to be sacrificed. The height of His life, 30 years old, the height of His strength, the height of His intelligence, the height of His uh, reaching... I'm not intelligence. I'm sorry, I insulted some people. But I'm just saying He was at the moment where you're the most ambitious in your life. How many would agree with that? 30 years old, you're mature enough to take on the world. You're at your full strength and you're ready to go. And at that moment, Jesus had to give His life willingly. He was the Lamb. The Bible says that that Lamb was to be given to the family and live among them. Jesus was given at that moment to be among us. The Lamb was to live with us. The lamb was to walk with us. The lamb was, was to be examined to make sure he was perfect. 
And He walked on the earth with us. People began to love Him. People began to adore Him. People began to recognize that there was no sin in this man and it frustrated them. God had given His perfect Lamb. So the first thing we have to understand is the Passover. The next thing they had to understand about the Lamb. I want you to imagine taking that innocent Lamb and grabbing a hold of His neck and knowing you have to sacrifice Him. Would that be traumatic? That you have to look that little animal in the eyes, the most innocent, beautiful little creature, and you have to say, my sins are being taken by, taken by you. You are bearing the burden of my sins. And you had to go and sacrifice that animal, and it was a looking forward to what Jesus was going to do. From the beginning of the world, there's no other religions. There's no other religions. From the beginning of the world, from the first sin, God said only the substitution of the Messiah. So they would take that little animal, and I want you to imagine Passover. They're walking with a little leash and a little one-year-old beautiful male lamb, all of them, every family. And as they begin to lead that lamb to the slaughter, and you would just hear it back there making noise, and you realize that this poor little creature is dying for me. And that's what the emotions that God intended to evoke on this weekend. One of the emotions is that Jesus, do you realize He was, those slaves were, I told you, beaten with a whip? Do you realize that He was beaten worse than any slave had ever been beaten when they ripped His back apart? The affliction of them was being placed on Him. The punishment that was due to those people was being translated to that lamb as an example of what would be happening when Jesus died. And so all of our punishments, in fact, the Bible says that they had to have bitter herbs to remember how bitterly they were treated. And the unleavened bread, which symbolizes Jesus' body, was to be dipped during Passover in the bitter herbs. That means that Jesus was going to be fully dipped in the bitter herbs. It says that He would be marred more than any man would ever be marred. He would be beaten mercilessly. Jesus knew that this was His lot in life. You understand Passover. So one of the things God wants you to understand this weekend is, God is the only hope that I have to escape judgment. The next thing that they did, as you begin to read chapter 12 here, you will see in verse verse 14, It says, this is the commemoration for generations to come. You shall celebrate the festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your house. For whoever eats anything with yeast from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly. And another day, on the seventh day, do no work on these days. You prepare food for everyone to eat. That's all you may do. Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread because on this very day I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Then you go down and in verse um, 31 and 32 it says, During the night Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Leave up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your 
flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go and I will bless you. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry up and leave their country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people, listen to this, how God puts this in here. So they took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulder in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. They carried this thing like on their chest. Like a, like a, they put it in a cloth and like just carried it like you'd carry a backpack. And so God, now here's the issue. God wanted these people to worship God. And I'm telling you today, if you cannot worship God, you are in bondage. And what God is saying is, let my people go so they can worship me. And you sit in this place and you see people free to worship God. And they're worshiping God and they're worshiping God and worshiping God and you just can't do it. And you say, man, I wish I was one of those people who could worship God. And God is saying, look at my lamb. My lamb has given you the ability to be free to worship your God. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to feel unworthy. Those people were not worthy to worship God. But God struck an entire nation so they would release them to worship their God. Today, your Passover is a celebration that says, the enemy will not stop me from worshiping my God. There's no heroin addiction that can keep me from worshiping my God. There's no alcoholism that can keep me from worshiping my God. There's not a family member, there's not a person that I go to school with that can stop me. The Passover, what it's all about is release my people, they're not in your bondage anymore. I'm free to live for God. I'm free to worship God. I can live in freedom in His Spirit. There's nothing, the Bible says, below hell or above the earth. There's nothing on the earth that can stop you and keep you from the love of God. And the Passover is about that. Now there's this next thing you need to know for today. On this day, in fact, the very first verse I read was, they celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover. These are the first two feasts. They're so closely connected, sometimes they're just called the Passover or the, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But one is one day, the Passover. The other one is seven days. So it's a total of eight days. You say, well, what is the unleavened bread? There's two things you need to understand about this that God wants you to know today when you take this supper. God wants you to know that this leaven thing is a bad thing. It's not just about the unleavened bread. First, it's about the leaven. You see how crazy they got about getting that leaven out of their house? I mean, these customs the Jews have, they will spend, I mean, they will literally clean everything in the house. Of course, men's traditions really go a lot of different directions, but they'll actually clean every bit of leaven out of their house, out of the community, out of the whole nation of Israel. There'll be no leaven. And you say, well, why are they so obsessed? They'll even paint the walls. They'll clean all their clothing. They'll, they'll even put the pockets inside out to make sure they're clean. They'll clean everything because of this feast of unleavened bread. You say, well, what's the big deal with this bread? Well, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It says in verse 6, chapter 5, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians, it says, your boasting is not good. There was an immoral person in the church and they did nothing about it. And Paul said, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole bunch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may have a new batch without yeast. 
as you really are, as you really are. For Christ our what? Passover lamb. This is connected with the Passover lamb, this unleavened bread. It says, Christ, your Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, now what's that therefore? Because he's been sacrificed, therefore, do this. Keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Do you understand that they would lay a lump of leaven to the side? They would have a lump of dough. They would take a little pinch of the leaven, put it in a large amount of dough, and guess what would happen when they needed that dough? It would begin to spread and completely leaven the whole loaf. And what God is saying is, the whole reason that I gave you this Passover lamb was because of sin. Sin was what caused me to die. Sin is what has destroyed this world. Sin is what I'm trying to redeem you of. Sin is, sin is what I'm trying to help you with. Sin is what I'm trying to destroy. And because you keep the festival, that's what we're celebrating this weekend, because you have a Passover lamb, and because he did what he did, therefore, do this. And they begin to go all through their house. This is the first of the festivals. There are three festivals that the man is supposed to show up to the temple and say, okay, I agree. The man is to go to the temple, submit himself to the Lord, and he's supposed to go back to the house and make sure it gets done exactly the way the Lord says. The mother is extremely active. She's cleaning the entire house to make sure there's no leaven. What does that mean for me today? What God is saying is, because you recognize that you have this sacrifice that cost Him everything, then go back to your homes, go back to your community, go back to your nation, and anything that is not pleasing to God, let's weed it out. In fact, He says, purge the leaven. God says, get so excited about what God did. I'm so excited about the new life that God gave me that I want to go back, and as the father of my house, I want to make sure that I'm pleasing to God. And this feast of unleavened bread is where you go back and begin to purge things that aren't right with God. And God wants you during this festival, in order to keep this festival of Passover, God wants you to consume Him which forgives everything. You're like, well, I'm still struggling with sins. He forgave it. You realize God forgave everything? He's going to pass over because the blood is applied to us. He's forgiven us of everything. Okay, but then He says... Because I've forgiven you everything, go home and get rid of the things that you can get rid of. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? The things that you're able to get out of your life that's not pleasing to God, let's get rid of it. Let's honor God by what He did by going home and celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And God does another thing. He just doesn't leave you there trying to get rid of leaven in your life. Do you remember on their heart was this unleavened bread? Unleavened bread represented the uh, Jesus Christ who had no sin. And you know this unleavened bread is what we eat in the Lord's Supper. This unleavened bread is what God said, take it into yourself. They were walking out. Do you know their only nourishment that they had as they went into the wilderness? What do you think they ate? Before manna. 
They had the unleavened bread. Seven days they were to eat the unleavened bread and then manna in the wilderness. But do you know that they consumed this unleavened bread? And did you notice that Paul said, when you celebrate this festival on unleavened bread, remove these things. He said, but don't be like the leavened bread because you are not the leavened bread, you're the unleavened. So here is Jesus Christ, this bread from heaven, the presence of God. Now our sins, because of the Passover, because Jesus died for our sins, He's completely washed them away. And now we have the bread of His presence on our shoulder, in our heart. And there it is. And God says, eat that for seven days. God says, continue to feed on the Lord. And you remember Moses was sent to deliver him out of Egypt? Moses was sent because he was not a slave. Moses was going to lead him through the wilderness because he knew the way to the promised land. He lived in the wilderness. Jesus Christ has come to lead us out of this world. God has got a world prepared for us and what He's saying is, feed on Me. Feed on Me. Focus on Me. Behave like Me. Act like Me. God God wants us to begin to feed on His Word. God wants us to take the unleavened bread and it will purge all of the leaven. You say, well, what about my alcoholism? Come to the table of the Lord. Remove all that you can and worship Him in sincerity and truth. You say, well, I can't get rid of all of it, but you can sincerely get rid of some of it. And all God's saying is, worship of the festival, get rid of what you can and begin to feed on Him because He's going to see you as perfect and then He's going to begin to release His power in your life. You're going to be like the unleavened bread. God is going to make you perfect. God's going to begin to take all those things away and you say, well, I just want a honey eggs." Sounds so much more exciting. Full of Reese's candies. Those, those rabbits lay such wonderful eggs. And I'll admit, I'll eat the candy out of them. Sacrilegious as it may be. Not, I'm kidding. But God wants us to celebrate this festival with number one, understanding that no matter what you've done, sin has ruined us all. Jesus said, I died for you, apply the blood, I will not judge you. I will love you, I will pour out grace, I will pour out mercy, I will pour out truth. And then He says, Get rid of the leaven that you're able to in sincerity and truth. Here's what God does. He judges the intents of the heart. So let's remove all the leaven. Alright? And let's begin feeding on Him. Let's begin finding out about this truth of God. Let's allow His Holy Spirit let the bread of His presence... Do you realize when He died? This is what it means to you. When He died, the presence of God split wide open. Only certain people used to be able to go in there. But when he died, the earthquake split it wide open. And he said, now because there's no sin, now you'll have the bread of my presence. Now your sins are forgiven. Now my spirit is right here. You have the unleavened loaf right here. So what he's saying is, don't take a little pinch of the leaven and try to mix it. Because what will it do? It'll spread through your church. It'll spread through your heart. It'll spread through your family. And he's saying, be very careful when you celebrate unleavened bread. Make sure you understand God doesn't want any part of that. The next thing, Luke chapter 22. Jesus. 11.58, wow. I'm sorry. we got to know these things. I'm sorry, I went as fast as I could. If you have to be dismissed, I understand. 
But the Lord's Supper, this is Passover and this is the unleavened bread. Do you know Passover, what does it represent? Passover represents the death of our Lord, the sacrifice that was the Lamb. The unleavened bread, do you remember they wrapped it in cloth? It represents His body being buried. Do you understand that? It's the day, the Passover, the next day was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and there was symbolic that the bread was wrapped in cloth like His body was. And it was buried. This is the death, this is the burial, and because He was buried and had no sin, what happened? Hell could not hold Him. The curse was not effective against Him. He went to hell and released the captives. Hell would not hold Him. And the Bible says because you're of the same loaf, hell won't hold you anymore. The grave will not hold you anymore. It says that He was buried incorruptible. And David said, I'm looking forward to the day because the grave will not hold Him and I will follow Him. He's like Moses in the Passover. He knows the way to the promised land. If we follow Him, He's going to be buried in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? And then Jesus, as He begins to institute the Lord's Cup, let me read it really quickly here. Luke chapter 22, it says, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread called the Passover was approaching. Chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and officers in the temple garden discussed with them how they might betray him. They were delighted and agreed to give Judas money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them, but the crowd was always present. Then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb was sacrificed. Jesus said, Peter, said to Peter and John, we'll make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So what's he doing at the Last Supper here? Eating the Passover and getting ready for the, day of the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He goes on. Where do you want us to prepare? And he replied, as you enter the city, look for a man carrying a jar of water. He will meet you. Follow him to the house as he enters. Say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room that it will be furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as He said they were. They prepared for the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and the disciples reclined at the table. He said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again. Listen to this. I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And then He took the cup, gave thanks, to take this, divide it among yourselves, for I tell you, I will not drink it again until the fruit of the vine is in the kingdom, until the kingdom of God comes. Took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. I do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he gave the cup. The cup is now, is the new covenant in my blood, which I poured out for you. For the hand of him who is going to betray me is on the table. Or, hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Jesus was instituting, He was changing, He became the Lamb, so the Passover fast was no more. The Passover feast was no more after Jesus. Jesus took the Passover feast and instituted something brand new. And what He was instituting was 
He said, this blood that I'm giving you now is a new and different covenant. He's saying, this blood is my body that I poured out for you. And he also began to look at something prophetic here that I want you to see. He said, I will not drink the Passover again until the kingdom of God comes. So there's going to be another Passover that he will drink this cup again. And something that I have to show you, and I, I, I can't rush past this. Jesus was looking forward to something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lamb of God has a supper that He wants us to attend. God was telling you on this day, not only look at the past, not only look at His burial, death, and resurrection, Jesus is saying, look for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Something's going to happen. And He's starting to use language that is the same language as an ancient Jewish wedding. The time of Jesus, there were weddings. And Jesus was began to use language that, that, that mirrored a wedding. And He began to say, this is my cup of my new covenant. And as you begin to look at a Jewish wedding, there's something that's called a betrothal. And what Jesus was saying was, the Lamb will be married to His people. And the Lamb will have a giant feast one day. And when you drink this cup on this day, and you remember my death, burial, and resurrection, I expect you to look forward to this day. In fact, do you know that the Bible um, is so full of us looking forward to what is coming? And Jesus was saying, take this cup and I will drink it again when we're together at my marriage supper. The betrothal is this. When a couple came together and they were betrothed, they were officially uh, considered married. Do you know that? It's like our engagement, but they were officially considered married. So Jesus says, when you take this cup and you understand that I died for you and I'm the Passover lamb, now begin to look for the things in your life that you can begin to remove. Begin to eat of me. Begin to become like me. And then he says, when you drink this cup, be ready because this cup allows you to be uh, betrothed to me. You're married to me. And he says, as you drink this cup and eat my body, he said, we're looking forward to something that is coming. Now the betrothal, there was a year after they were officially signed the contract to be married. And you know what happened during that contract to be married? They wrote in that contract, there was a price to be paid that was called the bride's fee. The bride's price. And they agreed on an amount of money that the man had to pay to the father of the bride in order to purchase her from her family. You know that Jesus, the Father, required a price from Him for His bride. Do you realize that? He's fulfilling all these Jewish prophecies. The price that God required from the Lamb of God was His life. And Jesus, on this day, was paying the price so that we could live with Him forever. This world that's around us is not what God intended for us. This day that we're celebrating this week is not just the death, burial, and resurrection. It is the fact that Jesus Christ is married to us. Jesus Christ is one with us. The man would go away. Now get this. The man would go away with his father. And you know what he did during that period of time? He began to prepare a place 
For that interim period, He was preparing a place for His bride. And Jesus, the Bible says, ascended into heaven and He said, what am I going to do with my Father? I am preparing a place for you. I seen a young man the other day that was working and he said, the doctor just told me that in a couple of years, my back will be so badly fused, I'll have to walk everywhere like this. And we began to talk and I said, do you know what? I said, what do you think this weekend is that we're celebrating as Christians? He said, I don't know. And I said, do you realize that if you understand what we're celebrating this weekend, your brightest days are ahead of you? Your brightest days are ahead of you. He goes, man, I really want to believe that. And I said, your brightest days are ahead of you. See, there's an interim period where Jesus is preparing a place for you. And you say, what begins to happen? Well, they stand underneath the canopy, okay? And before he goes to prepare that place, the couple stands underneath the canopy, okay? And their prospective uh, family is in the future. They stand under that canopy and they take a cup full of the fruit of the vine, all right? And that is his gift to the bride. He gives a gift to her, promising her that he will return and get her. Okay? And then the Bible says um, that Jesus, um, you remember the um, during the betrothal, uh, it's a little different than what we have. The betrothal, when the man and the son are ready, they take a period of time, and when they're finally ready for the bride, do you know what they do? They come at midnight. And it's supposed to be a surprise to the bride. You guys aren't hearing me this morning. When did they come out of Egypt? Midnight. There's a procession. The father says to the son, it's time. I'm getting goosebumps. The father says to the son, it's time. This is the Jewish wedding. I'm not talking about Jesus yet. He says, it's time, son. And he begins to lead a procession of their friends. The friends begin to join them down the street and there's a big parade. And they're all heading to the bride's house. We're the bride. There are people there that are, we are all the bride. There are some of us that are terminal cancer. There's some of us that can't walk. There's some of us that are sick. There's some of us just fed up with the world around us and we still trust God. And I'm going to tell you something. We may be gone tomorrow. We ain't, we, we don't have another day. We might be gone tomorrow and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And that's what this festival is about this weekend. It's not Easter eggs. The festival this weekend is I could be gone tomorrow and that's good. I want to be with my Lord. Or the father could say to the son, son, it's time. Nobody knows the day or the hour. It says he'll come in the midnight hour. It says the father is going to look at the son. The son doesn't even know the hour. And the father says, son, we're ready. We prepared everything. Let's go get the bride. And the Bible says that... In fact, let me, I don't even say the Bible. I want to say the Jewish custom again because it's so exciting for me. They do it different than our weddings. We have the wedding... And then we have the feast. They don't do that. They go get the bride and they have a giant feast that lasts, if it's a really good one, it lasts seven days. So here's what's going to happen. And this is both serious and both really happy. 
judgment at the moment of the rapture, the Lamb will stand in heaven. He will claim the earth back. He's the only one that can open the seals. He'll claim the world back. The Lamb will stand there like He had been slaughtered. And then will commence. Revelation 19, you can read it when you go home. Revelation 19, the Bible says that there is a marriage supper of the Lamb. Now remember, they're officially married and go off together after the ceremony. After the seven days of of eating, feasting. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Jesus said there would be another Passover and I will eat it in the kingdom, right? Suddenly, in, Revelation, in fact, I've got to read it. I'm trying to rush through. You've got to hear this. It's only a few verses. Revelation 19. This is your future. Please listen. This is exciting, okay? This is a very exciting. There's nothing more exciting than what I'm reading right now. You say, well, i got Easter dinner. It's nothing like this feast. Trust me. This is God's feast. Somebody's going to be mad. Well, I'd rather have somebody mad than God. Praise the Lord. It says... Verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. The bride has made herself ready, fine linen, bright and clean. Listen to this. It was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. You say, well, isn't righteousness of God? Here it's different. She's doing all these righteous acts because she loves Him during the betrothal period. Because God died for you, you're doing so many good things because of His death. That is your beauty that day. Wow! And it says, Let me go up. The very beginning says, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. Hallelujah. And then you go down a little bit more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we're ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you hear? A giant multitude is suddenly in heaven. The Father has sent the Son. He's in the air. He doesn't touch the ground yet. He's in the air and He says, come on. Let's go. Let's go. I've got a supper prepared for you. And it says, blessed. You go down here. It says, blessed are those who are invited to the we- to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And He added... These are the true words of God. Listen to me right now. This is very serious. There is going to be another real Passover. There's only been one. It was in Egypt. Every other year was a memorial of that one Passover. There's going to be another Passover. Please hear me if you hear anything today. Jesus is going to rapture His church. They're going to be in the presence of God. Those who died in Christ... And those who are living will be caught up together. They will be caught up together for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And blessed are you if you're caught up in that group. They will feast with the Lord for that period of time where guess what? Judgment is being poured out on the earth. That is the Passover of the Lamb. Jesus took us out of the world like He did Egypt. This is the real Passover. Hebrews 10 said there's shadows of the realities to come. The Egyptian judgment was minor compared to what's happening in Revelation. And he said, blessed are you if you are at the wedding feast of the Lamb because He will pass over you. Everything will be poured upon the earth, but He will pass over you at the wedding feast of the Lamb and we will feast and we will be with the Lord forever and ever and we will reign with Him. Praise the Lord. Let's uh, serve the elements.
Come on up here. I'm going to pray. Close your eyes. I just want to ask you real quick. I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer. And you may not have the blood of the Lamb on your doorpost of your heart. Judgment is waiting for you. I, I, I love you so much, I can't tell you any different. The Lord loves you. He's provided a way to not have judgment. He has, desires nobody to have judgment. But this sin thing is so serious in the world around us. With every eye closed, and whenever I close, every head bowed. I just want to ask you today, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to say a prayer. We're going to say it together. And uh, you can be right with the Lord today. You can be written in the Lamb's book of life. You can have the blood of the Lamb applied to your life today. And you can take this communion in anticipation of the wedding supper. So if that's you today, you've never given your heart to the Lord, or you're backslidden from God, if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to let you pray from your seat. Anybody here today, raise your hand if that's you. This may be your last chance to respond. Maybe your last chance to respond. Give me a few more moments. Anybody here, never given your heart to the Lord? The Lord stirred you today? What greater way to celebrate this weekend than to give your heart to the Lord? Anybody here? I see that hand. Anybody else? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray with you. Anybody else? Alright, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask You today, forgive me of all my sins. Help me today to purge all the leaven. I accept Your sacrifice for my sins. And I ask You to fill me with Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Now we're going to take communion and uh, how did we distribute that last time? Okay. We don't have a closed communion. We just ask that you examine your heart and um, we welcome you to take communion with us.